This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 192. And the quote of the day is from Benjamin Mays, who said, The tragedy of life doesn't lie in not reaching your goals. The tragedy lies in having no goal to reach. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming. And beyond, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. What's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here with another session of the Drummer's Resource Podcast. If this is your first time listening, thanks so much for checking it out. You can find all 192 episodes at drummersresource.com. You can also subscribe on Stitcher, iTunes, all of that fun stuff. And if you'd like to get a copy of my ebook, Stick Control Variations, it's 11 creative exercises to help you improve your chops, your independence, and your speed. Just head over to drummersresource.com. You can get a copy of that 100% free. Now, speaking of free, this podcast is free thanks to great sponsors like DW Drums. And DW, they I consider them family. I've been playing DW for years, about Uh, almost 15 years now and I've spent a lot of time out there in Oxnard with them and just an amazing group of people and they make amazing drums as well also you can get a free tour of the factory while you're out there so I encourage you to do that it's about an hour north of LA so you can learn all about their products and everything like that at dwdrums.com now let's get into the interview today this interview is with Zorro and Zorro is a staple in the drumming community has been for years he's played with so many people like new edition bobby brown lenny kravitz a ton of people he's written a bunch of drumming books and the one particular book is called the big gig it's big picture thinking for success and i actually read this book right before i started drummers resource and i tell the story in this podcast about how this book really influenced me to make it a a point to strictly do music as a career so uh, and I tell Zorro all about that in the story so this interview is a little bit different because we talk a lot about a lot more about goal setting and things like that because Zorro is an expert as far as I'm concerned in that and you guys know that I I dig that kind of stuff too so a really inspiring interview and then I think we're going to get him back on the podcast to really get into specifics about drumming as well because he's written a ton of, of drumming books too so I'm rambling let's get into it with the one and only Zorro. Enjoy. Zorro, how are you? Thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here, Nick. My pleasure. My honor. This is this is interesting. We've we've been we've been trying to do this for I'm gonna Couple say of years. <laughs> I was gonna say maybe it may be three years. Has it been that long? Wow. I, it, it may be. It may be. And which is it's interesting because a lot of times these these conversations or these interviews don't happen overnight. So a lot of times it's someone who I've talked to six months ago, a year ago, two years ago, and then they finally come to fruition based on schedule or whatever the case may be. So, And, I, and I've never intended to make you wait that long. It's just always, <laughs> it's just the timing of like when, you know, Sure. It's like when I know when there's a hole in my schedule, and then all of a sudden I only know it a few seconds before and I go, Oh, I got an hour now. But, right. but, Knowing that ahead of time is not always easy to to discern. Right, and I've never taken it personally, just for for the record. So, well, I'm glad you <laughs> haven't because I, I never meant it personal. Uh, but I'm I'm happy to be on the show now. Um, I'm happy to have you. So let's 
let's build a little bit of context. I know that I I'm extremely familiar with with your work. Uh, I read your. We were just talking about Italy. I actually read the big gig while traveling through Italy uh, in Amalfi, oh, wow. and and so an amazing book. Uh, I've referenced that was a few years ago now, so I've referenced it uh, multiple times. And you you have a very interesting story. And I would love to just get a little bit of that backstory. We don't have to go through your entire history sure. as 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 a person, but just a little bit of backstory uh, to build some context about who you are and sort of how that backstory shaped you as a player. Sure. Where would you like to begin? Uh, I well, I think the one thing I think it's interesting that you were born in Compton. Um, yeah. O- only because, well, I shouldn't say only because, but I I didn't know that. How would I know that? Um, yeah. But it was inter- I, I don't know why I found that extremely interesting when I was when I read your book because just I don't know maybe sort of like the Watts riots and and all the things that happened in Compton and I I didn't in a naive sort of way didn't think that there was you know a ton of funk and a and a, and a bunch of different styles of music influences that were coming out of Compton at that time. Oh yeah, there was those tons and those tons that you heard on the radio. Living where I did, it was all this funky music. It was all it was all the atmosphere. Um, so I'm I'm very uh, I'm very uh, fortunate to have been on the journey I've been on. And I'm I'm glad for every part of my story. Every place that I lived uh, taught me something and gave me uh, the fabric of who I am. So that upbringing in Los Angeles. South Central LA as a young as a young man gave me a lot of musical influences and uh, that are you know part of my DNA. But I've lived in many different places and uh, each one of them you know gave me another piece of the puzzle and another part of the story that made mine an original story. Sure. Uh, so I think it's all it's all cool and I I grew up with uh, six other siblings and they all liked music immensely. Like I would say, we all love music. Even though I'm the only one who's really a musician, they all really love music. So I grew up hearing all kinds of music, and uh, that's all part of my DNA. I mean, a lot of people know me for funk and rock and roll, uh, but you know, in my DNA is everything. You know, jazz, Latin, and funk, and gospel, and salsa, and everything. Because my mother was from Mexico City, so she, you know, raised me on like the great singers, you know, the, the Sinatras and the Tony Bennett's and the Nat King Coles and, and all the Mexican music and Latin music and uh, soundtrack music and orchestra music. And so uh, consequently, now at the stage of my life, I have 15,000 CDs in my music collection, along with thousands of pieces of vinyl and, and uh, thousands of iTunes downloads. So safe to say I'm pretty much a music freak. <laughs> So was it always, and I remember reading in your book that you said that you sort of destroyed your the dashboard of your car from playing on it? Oh, yeah, I forgot about that story. <laughs> yeah, that's when I was uh, just kind of, I was only playing drums for like a couple of years here in L.A. and Hollywood. I lived in uh, Beverly Hills in the Hollywood area. And I remember having this uh, car, and uh, I was so into practicing that I would drive with one hand, the left hand, and then on the right hand, I would just play on the dashboard, you know. Uh, and uh, and I remember I used to make all my friends drive me around because I had the car and they didn't. So I said, all right, if we go, then you're driving, and that way I could practice. 
and then I would just practice both hands on the dashboard. So right. I had the wheels, and that gave me the clout. Uh, but whenever I did have to drive myself, I was always driving with one hand and practicing with the other, and I wore out a couple of few dashboards doing that. Nice. Well, and the reason why... Was, was a... <laughs> go ahead. No, go ahead. What were you going to say? No, I was going to say, you know, that you know, a kid can, you know, I was very zealous, still am, about everything I do, and you know, I didn't want to waste any time. You know, and you're you're in traffic a lot when you live in L.A. So I'm going, man, this is like an hour and a half time. I could be practicing for an hour and a half. So that's kind of how I looked at it. I didn't want to waste any time. Sure, that makes sense. And the reason why I asked that question was, is there was there always a time, or was it always okay? This is what I want to do as a career, or was it just a matter of I just want to play drums? And maybe later on in life, you decided that that's what you were going to do as a career. No, I think for me, it was instantaneous from the minute that I actually, I didn't actually start playing until I was about 16. Mm -hmm. I was more of a late, late starter. I was already in high school, like 10th grade or whatever. Right. That's uh, actually right when I started. Same yeah. Time. And, and that, that, it's considered late considering mm -hmm. how many people start much younger than that. But from the, right from the minute that I started, I knew that that's what I wanted to do uh, for a career, and I actually wrote those goals down. I still have the piece of paper from when I was 16 where I wrote down. I had a job at the county fairgrounds, you know, selling hot dogs or something, you know, one of those food stands. And I remember just dreaming about what I wanted to do. And I wrote down all, you know, like five or six different major goals I had on a little piece of orange paper from the county fair. And for some reason, I saved it all these years. And on there, it said that I want to be a professional drummer in show business, that I want to succeed as a musician. I, I didn't even barely, I wasn't even barely playing when I already wrote down that vision, <laughs> which, you know, like it was, it was larger than life to even say something so ridiculous. It's like, you know, it's like tap dancing for the first time and say, I want to be like Fred Astaire, you right. know, or, you know, playing basketball for the first time and saying, you know, I want to be like Michael Jordan. You know, it was, but when I look back on it, you know, as a grown man now, as a mature man, and I can look back on a 16-year-old kid's brain, I'm like, man, I had a lot of uh, vision to even think that from right when I first started. So, uh, you know, I, I believe in, in the power of, uh, of vision and the power of writing out your goals and dreams. And uh, In fact, I have a new book that's getting ready to come out September, September 1st. Uh, it's called Soar. S-O-A-R, SOAR, Nine Proven Keys for Unlocking Your Limitless Potential. And it's a, it's a motivational book for everybody on really what it takes to live out your dream. Uh, it's, it's deeper than the, uh, the big gig and more life-centric, uh, but very inspirational and very practical. And very. But anyway, I tell a story in there. of uh, I tell many, many stories. There's lots of inspirational stories in there and lots of... Uh, quotes, just stuff that will fire you up. But I tell a story uh, that I learned about Jim Carrey. And Jim Carrey told, said when he first, uh, when he first came to uh, Los Angeles, you know, as a struggling actor, he was nobody. And he was just a dreamer. And he was up on the top of Mulholland Drive. And he looked down and he uh, imagined himself working with all the directors that he wanted to work with. He, he had this vision and dream. And and then he wrote himself uh, a check on a, a, a paper bag or a blank piece of paper, wrote himself a check and said, pay to the order of Jim Carrey 
20 million dollars for services rendered it's a true story and um i think it was about 10 years later he cashed that check meaning somebody wrote him a check for 20 million dollars and it was for dumb and dumber mm-hmm. and uh and he he had written out that check like you know uh, like like he's paying himself services rendered in the future but he envisioned that and right. uh and it was, i thought it was very powerful and he also tells a story uh about his father he said my my father was the funniest man i ever knew and um he said but my father uh didn't have the vision he didn't see that he could make it as a comedian so he picked the safe thing and he became an accountant and then when jim carrey was like 12 he said my dad lost his safe job and we struggled to survive and right then and there i learned well either way if you go for your dream or you go for safety the bottom can fall out and so i'm going to go for the dream since the bottom can fall out when you're doing what you don't want to do why don't i go for what i do want might as well might as well go after what i want right yeah and that's uh so, uh, you know, it's just sort of an inspirational thought, and the power of vision. So I wrote out, I also kept a diary when I was young. And uh, and I have lots of entries in my diary when I'm a kid, just starting, uh, saying, you know, I want to, one day I want to be like, you know, all my heroes. And I would name all the guys, you know, whoever they were at the time, you know, whether it's Harvey Mason or Steve Gadd or Billy Cobham or Jeff McCarl. And then, you know, eventually I got to do, many things with those guys and became friends with them. But, but I wrote down those type of dreams in the diary. Um, so it's fun. Uh, I'm glad that I kept an account of all those things sure. because now I could go back and look and see, see the power in, in those thoughts, you know, it has a lot making it, living out your dream. is a lot more than just about, you know, having talent or having an ability. That's mm-hmm. just one component. There's so many other factors that, that determine whether somebody, uh, you know, quote unquote, makes it or lives out their dream or whatever. There's a lot of, a lot of things. The talent is, is, is a given, you know, you sure. have to have talent if you want to pursue, uh, you know, acting and you want to be an actor, you got to have some acting talent, you know, you got to have some athletic talent to try to be an athlete. You know, I mean, there are a few people who make it in certain professions that maybe don't have a lot of talent, uh, more so in the entertainment world. You don't have that many people in the sports world that are going to make it to the top sort of accidentally because you're good looking or you're in the right place at the right time. But in entertainment, there's more of that. You know, you could you could not be as talented as the next person and land a huge rocket because right. there's many other factors. Uh, but, yeah, you can't control those things, so you can only control what you do control. And your vision and your dream is controlled by you in terms of what you project and what you decide to dream about and then go for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A couple interesting things about the, to rewind a little bit about the Jim Carrey story is that I know that that story very well. I actually have a check in my pocket that I've written to myself because of that story, which is, which is pretty funny that you bring that up. Uh, and the one thing that really sticks out about that Jim Carrey story is that I remember him saying, sure, you can have all of these goals and you can have all of these ambitions and you can write them down, but then you have to take the action. Well, then, you act- then you actually have to put these things into motion. So what is your sort of, what is your approach when you say, okay, you look at a sheet of paper and it has these 10 things. 
what's the next step? Where do you go from there to say, okay, I now I need to make them happen. You can't just wish them to happen. Uh, well, right. I, I, I honestly believe you have to, you know, you have to have the vision first because you have to have a direction you're going. And then you have to, you know, narrow the vision down. Like, let's say you want to be an actor, you know, it's like, well, what kind of actor, you know, Broadway, theater, commercial. I mean, you know, when you can narrow down kind of what you want to do, and then you got to be really good at researching and you got to research. Okay. You got to read about everybody who does it. You got to watch every interview from everyone who succeeded. And in all that research, you start to find out what's the process these people went through. You know, I remember reading lots of different magazines, you know, jazz magazines, drummer magazines, downbeat magazines to, to learn, well, what did these guys do? And as I read all that stuff, well, the first thing you learn that these people do is they learn their craft. So the first thing is like, okay, develop the talent that I have and take it to a really high level. That's the first thing. Make, make your product good because your product will speak for itself. And then, you know, you begin to strategize and you begin to plan and you begin to go, okay, so to do this, it's going to take this, this, that, and the other. And then you do the, the first thing that makes the most sense. You know, for me, like the first thing that made the most sense is I needed to make some money to be able to fulfill some of these goals, like to get a car, to buy a nice drum set that I needed, you know, to sell myself well. So I got a couple of different jobs doing things I didn't like to do, but so that I could get the money to then get the drums and the car. So you kind of go down, you know, you, you lay out all these goals and then you get a, a strategy. In my new book, Soar, that's the fourth life principle. There's nine life principles that it takes to live out your dream. And number four is you strategize. First, you have to discover your talent. Uh, and then once you discover you have a knack for something, then you begin to dream about it. When I discovered I had a knack for rhythm or, or an innate ability, I mean, I had rhythm from the minute I got on the drums the very first time I got on them. It's weird. I could play them. Uh, you know, not great, not incredible, but mm -hmm. I could keep a groove and I, and I understood rhythm. It was, it was just there. So that connected me to my destiny. Then I'm connecting to this rhythm. And now I begin to dream about what I can do with this rhythm. And then, so then the dreaming stage, you start dreaming about uh, the idea of doing this seriously and what that would look like. And then, you know, so you, you, you gotta, you gotta dream. And then after you dream, You've got to strategize. Now you've got to get a plan in action. Uh, and the, the plan helps you uh, just much like a blueprint for an architect helps. You know, can't just erect a really incredible building without a blueprint. So the, the strategy and the plan is the blueprint. Hey, I'm going to move to L.A. And in the first year, by the end of the first year, I want to be able to be established doing this. But by the second year, I want to do that. How am I going to do that? I'm going to network. I'm going to meet people. I'm going to go to clubs. I'm going to do whatever. And then, and then after you have the strategy, then the fifth, uh, the fifth principle in my new book is, is pursue. Okay, so now you've got a strategy, now you've got a plan, now you've got to get to work, and you've got to do it. And this is the part where most people fail. But they fail in two areas. They fail with no strategy, and then they don't pursue. They have the dream, they've discovered something they're, they're interested in, but the other two are very hard, and they're very crucial. And they're very demanding. Uh, and that, that's where, like, all the work is. That's where all the disappointment is. You know, so, you know, the fifth, the fifth step is to, uh, to pursue. And then the sixth life principle is to believe, okay? Because uh, when the rubber meets the road, your dream is going to be met with incredible opposition. 
Uh, there's going to be opposition all over the place. It's not like it's just going to fly in your hands without a challenge. And uh, I've experienced that with every single thing I've pursued. Every one of my dreams that has come to pass, I've had many, many different ones, uh, all, all related to my gifts and talents, my dream of, of being a drummer, my dream of being a clinician, my dream of being an author, an educator, a speaker. These are all things I've fulfilled and am continuing to fulfill, but they were all met with extreme opposition and extreme rejection. In fact, nothing I've done has ever come uh, just, you know, from the first attempt. It was everything I've done was rejected and turned down over and over multiple times. So the only way that you can prevail, the only way that you can continue is somewhere in there you have to believe in yourself, the dream, possibilities, call it what you want, but it's basically faith. You cannot achieve anything that you don't first already believe you could in the first place. This has nothing to do with strategy. This has nothing to do with pursuit or hard work or talent, but this has every bit to do with whether you ever live it out or not, because most of us, where we give up is in the believing part. Mm-hmm. We just, we, we don't believe or we don't have faith anymore that the and especially when it's met with obstacles, especially when you, you audition for 100 great gigs and you don't get any of them, then you start to go, oh, man, I can't see myself getting one. I can't see, you know. And then a lot of it, you, you know, is, uh, you know, and then uh, the, seventh, the seventh principle in, in the book, and I go into depth in, in all of these chapters with a lot of great stories that inspire you, but the seventh uh, principle is to bend, B-E-N-D, bend. Because this is another part where people fail to realize their dream is because you have a dream, but it's never a straight line to the dream. It's never a direct, like, okay, I go from A to Z in a direct line. It's never that. It's landmines and disappointments and setbacks <laughs> and, 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 and uh, all over, getting blown up all over the place. And it never comes together in the way that you envision it. Uh, and so you have to learn how to be flexible. You have to learn to be pliable and malleable and kind of flow with the river. Oh, I didn't get that gig. Okay, so all right. But then but then it, it, if you don't give up, maybe, maybe that gig will lead to – maybe you didn't get the gig you wanted, but then you met some key people in the other gig you didn't want that eventually led you to something uh, better and bigger. And so you have, to, you have to be willing to bend. And I find most people would be like an oak tree. Uh, when an oak tree is in a, in a, is in a storm – Oak tree is a very dense, hard wood, and it cracks. But in my life, uh, I've seen all of my dreams come to pass because I've remained like a, like a palm tree, which is soft and supple. It blows in the wind. The wind storm comes. The hurricane comes. And you see, when you see a hurricane in the news, you see the palm trees just swaying in every direction of the storm, whereas an oak tree represents somebody who's stubborn and coarse. It didn't happen their way, and they're just not going to bend, so now they just crack. Um, and these are, these are life principles that have everything to do with whether you live these things out or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're, and they're, and they're hard. Uh, and most people don't understand them. And then most people don't understand where they've given up or where, where they're lacking. They still have the dream. They even have the, uh, they even have the talent or even the passion, but they don't have, uh, the, they don't have the skill. They're not equipped with the tools and the, and the, and the strategy and the principles of what it takes to do this. And that's why I've, uh, that's why I've written the books that I've written, because my goal is to try to help people understand what all these things are and to try to inspire them uh, to make a difference 
in their life because it to me it doesn't make any sense if I lived out all of my dreams but the only one that benefited from it was me. It it, it only means something to me if during my dreams and during my journey I was able to show many other people the way mm-hmm. uh, because then, then my life has had substance and significance and meaning and purpose that wasn't just self-centered or just centered around me. And I find most people are self-centered. The journey is always about them. And I don't like living that way because it's a very unfulfilling way to live. Um, it's it's more enjoyable to live when you realize your life is a, is a tool to serve other people and, and how many people can I impact and help live out their dream uh, mm-hmm. means means a lot to me. I think it was Tony Robbins who said the secret of the secret of living is giving. Well, absolutely. You know, well, it says that old proverb, you know, it's better to give than to receive. Sure. Now we live in a world that only wants to receive, but yet they're still very unhappy. I've never met a self-centered, self-absorbed person who was filled with life and joy. I, I've only met self-centered people that were miserable. Uh, so it's a trick it's a trick from the world that tricks you into thinking if I just get everything I want and and, you know do whatever I have to get it get to the top and people have to kiss my behind but I never met any of those people that were ever happy Uh, the the contentment comes from like I love playing the drums you know I love expressing myself on my instrument I love grooving I love speaking I love writing I love teaching I love mentoring and motivating each one of them makes me feel alive when I'm using it to to serve people you know so whatever somebody's gift or talent is you know that's irrelevant it's it's are you using it to serve people or are you using it to serve a self-centered ambition mm-hmm. I'm not saying that you know uh, you know we practice eight hours a day that's necessarily a self-centered ambition that's what it takes to be great but at the end of the day here's what you got to do at the end of the day when imagine just life being over and going, okay, well, how many people's life got better because Zorro lived? How many people's life got better because Nicholas Ruffini lived? Like, like, did, how many people's life was improved because I was on the planet? Because that's what you should be asking yourself every day, no matter what the heck you're doing. Whether you're playing drums or whether you're digging ditches, it's like how many people's life was touched by mine? Because a life is a short entity. You know, all the, all, all the heroes that I loved are passing away. You know, all the all the guys that were friends of mine, like Ed Shaughnessy and Ed Thigpen and Jim Chapin and, and uh, Louis Belson and all these guys that were my heroes. And I met Buddy Rich when I was 18 on the streets of Beverly Hills. And all these guys, they're gone. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're done. They, they've done what they've done. And so you go, gee, I'm going to be the next generation. And all the people that are listening now, 100 years from now, they won't be here. So you really have to think long-term about the whole picture, the whole arc, the whole scope of your life. And a drummer is just a part of it. It's, it's, it's an important part if you are a drummer. The rhythm thing is an important part. But you've got to go, well, what's, the overall, what's the overall message with all this? To bring people joy through rhythm? Yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, but you can do that and still be a jerk. You know, I've met, and I won't name any names, but, you know, I mean, I know... <laughs> about every famous drummer there is in the world practically. I've met most of them in, in my life. And there's still a few that I don't know, but the majority of them I would say I know. And there are in that category, there are guys that are really loving and kind and, 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 and utilize their life to serve others. And there are others that are just totally so self-absorbed. They're just big, giant, you know what. 
you know, and you just kind of go, wow. One has the ability, here's what pride does. When a person's filled with pride, it's like a, it's like a, a, a street sign that says danger, you know, no crossing here of the, you know, the skeletons and the, you know, because basically pride doesn't allow anybody access to them. Pride doesn't allow you to lift up others on the journey. But, you know, and, and so hum- the difference is if you're humble, well, humility is like a road sign that says safe crossing here, you know, other, you know, crosswalk. It's a safe place to venture to. And if you walk along here, I'm going to help you get to the other side. So I've seen, you know, all the best comers in the world. And I know the ones that are totally humble and I know the ones that are totally arrogant and full of themselves. And they're really just like that. The arrogant ones, it's all about them and there's no room help anybody else there's no there's no room to lift anybody else up because you're, you're too into you but the guys that still were brilliant but had that sense of humility well they took many others with them on the journey by uh by virtue of inspiration and humility makes people feel like makes you feel like you might be able to attain what they have or you can access that because they make themselves seem so regular and normal that you go wow maybe i could do that Mm-hmm. And uh, so the, the drumming is inconsequential. If you have it, you have it. You've got a rhythmic gift. So what? The thing about gifts that people don't realize is they're free. That's why they're called gifts. We didn't give them to ourselves. Uh, we were gifted with them. I, I certainly didn't give myself rhythmic ability or the ability to communicate or write or speak or, or write books. I mean, I was born with these abilities. I just recognized them and then did my part to develop them. But I in no way gave myself a talent and neither did anybody else out there who's listening. You don't give yourselves talent. You receive them. And then, and then, so the talent is arbitrary. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's what you do with it and how you use it to better mankind that makes it, uh, makes it something that was beneficial to others or only a, a journey of self. Uh, because, you know, yes, we can take credit for developing our talent. Anybody who's become a great drummer has two things. One, they had the talent that they did not give themselves. Two, they did something with it, and they worked it really hard. They they were accountable for developing it. But that's still not the full story. The full story is then how many people did you impact with it. Uh, musically is one thing. Personally is another. Because you might have influenced people musically because you're a great drummer, but you're still a total jerk, right. total self-absorbed idiot. But now if you influence people and you were a great person, uh, seeing seeing the importance of inspiring people, well, man, then you really made the most important impact that you can make on this planet, which is touching the lives of other people in a personal way. I mean, some of the people who touched my life the most were you know, legendary drummers who gave me the time of day or gave me a kind word or sat in the front row of my clinics or, or told me they loved my book or that they loved my drumming. I, mean, I remember mm-hmm. I used to I grew up watching Ed Shaughnessy on the Tonight Show, you know, back in the Johnny Carson days, and and then you know one day I became his friend, and then and then you know I played on the show, the Johnny Carson show, a few times, and then and then he would send me an email saying, hey man, I really love your drumming, or I love your groove. Then he'd come to my clinic and said, man, I want to sit in the front rows, or I love your ghost notes, man. So you know, <laughs> I just remember how that touched me because I'm thinking, man, I used to watch this guy on television, just dream of meeting him or doing something like that. And now this legendary guy that I love comes to my clinic and says, I got to sit in the front row because I love your ghost notes. 
you know, it, it meant the world to me. Uh, and, you know, so a single sentence, and I've had many sentences like that in my life from other drummers I admired, uh, but, but they changed your life. I remember when Jeff Picaro, when he was alive, we played at a PAS show together in 1985. He was playing at the Pearl booth, and I was playing at the Tama booth at the time, and we were right next to each other. So he played for 15 minutes, and then I played for 15 you know, because you could play at the same time because nobody would understand what you're doing. But I remember him coming up to me. This is when I was playing with a group called The New Edition. And I remember him coming up to me, hey, Zorro, man, what are you doing on the hi-hat, bro? I love your hi-hat work. And I just thought, like, how humble is that? Like, right. like one of the greatest drummers in the world, he's telling me he digs my hi-hat work. And then, you know, 25 years later, somebody like Paul Wertico will tell me that. And it just, it never, it never left me. I mean, we all live for affirmation. We all mm-hmm. live to hear those words of, of uh, admiration from fellow drummers or colleagues or idols. I mean, it's, it's what makes us come alive, you know. Mm-hmm. And, but some people offer those freely and generously because, number one, they really are being sincere and they feel it. And two, because they're nice people and they understand the power of an affirming word. Other people will never even let those words come out of their mouth if they feel that way because they're so full of themselves that they they somehow feel that if they're going to give you a kind word it's going to if they compliment you it somehow take it makes them take something from them and it's the most ridiculous thing in the world if i say to my friend you know whoever i, I i've known them all but you know, dennis chambers or or steve gadd or 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 um uh you know what's what's my friend who plays the sting steely dan uh Keith? Yeah, or... Keith Farlock. So, yeah, if I say to Keith, man, Keith, man, I love I love what you're doing, you know, with the groove or your sound or whatever, like, how how does that diminish what I do? Does that make what I do, Zorro do, any less powerful or any more powerful? Of course not. It affects nothing of what I do. It doesn't make my light shine any brighter. It doesn't make my light shine any less. It doesn't make me groove any harder or groove any less. It doesn't take anything away from me. The only thing that it does is allows me the joy of telling somebody how much I dug their playing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and, but, but there are a lot of people in our industry that just, they cannot give up a kind word to you because it's just, it, they feel that somehow it diminishes them. And that well, that's an the insecurity, most, you know? Well, of course. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Like on a huge level, but it's also, besides insecurity, it's a self-absorption thing. It's, right. it's total, it's a total, like you're so self-absorbed you can't even give out, you know, to me, it's like, give it, give up the credit where it's due. If somebody is worthy of a praise or compliment, then give it. If somebody wrote a beautiful piece of music or drew a beautiful painting or wrote a beautiful book, you know, give them the praise, man. They earned it. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it shouldn't, shouldn't be hard to do as fellow artists, but I, I know some people that it's very hard to that's very hard for them to do. Oh, I just yeah. think that's very sad. I think it's very sad. We're going to take a quick pause and we'll be right back at it with Zorro. So this session is brought to you by audible.com and audible takes your favorite book titles and they convert them into audiobooks. So 
you listen to podcasts, so you would obviously enjoy audiobooks. And I use them every day because I'm always on the go. And rather than sitting down to read, I like to have the book in audio form. And a book that I recommend checking out is Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday. Excuse me. And you can get that book 100% free if you go to audible.com forward slash drummer. Sign up for a free trial and you can get that book downloaded and you can keep it forever. Audible.com forward slash drummer is the URL. Also, this session is brought to you by Promark, and they have just released the new Mike Portnoy signature stick with active grip technology. So this technology heats up when your hands heat up and it gets tacky so that you're not losing grip when you're sweating. You can learn more about that and the new Rich Redmond stick at Promark.com. Now let's get back into it with Zorro. So the question is, how do you walk the line of being humble and being confident at the same time? Very good question. Very good question. And here's the deal. Confidence is not arrogance. I am a very confident person. And I say that in all humility, meaning the things that I know that I do well, I know that I do them well because I've earned that ability to do them well through super hard, hard work. So, but I'm in no way delusional. I also know what I don't do well. I know what styles of music that I play great, and I know what other styles of music that I wouldn't offer myself for employment because it wouldn't be my bag. It's not my specialty. So I, I know where I'm at realistically. But I'm confident in the things that I do and the things that I pursue because I've developed that confidence from experience and from hard work. But uh, confidence just means you know uh, what you're doing, but you, and you're doing it very strong and, and uh, with conviction, but without an attitude. Arrogance is you know you're a badass, so to speak, but you act like it, and you do it with, with an air of, of uh, pride and, and flesh and selfishness. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm, I'm super bad, and I know I'm bad, but, but you do it with a very jerky spirit. You know, so that's the difference. So you... You want to be confident and you want to develop confidence because people want people of confidence to hire. No matter what your job is, you want to hire the guy who believes he can get the job done. If you're in a military war and you got a general who's like all scared and afraid he can't chicken, you know, is that the guy you want to get behind in the, the battle? Or do you want a guy who goes, guys, we're going to take this mountain, you know, and, mm-hmm. and then you go, yeah, we're going to, we're going to do it. You, you want confidence in every job that you do. But that doesn't mean that you're arrogant, you know. And there's also a beauty in confidence where, where you're confident but yet humble at the same time. In my own life, you know, I, I always tell people, if they say, oh, you played really great, oh, thank you so much. Because there, there's a false humility in which you pretend like nothing you did was really that good. Oh, really? No, I'm not good. I suck. But you're, you're not really meaning it. It's just a false sense of humility. And that's BS. You know, I mean, it's okay to say, well, thanks, man. I really appreciate that. You know, like you've told me you like the big gig book, okay? Uh, I wrote that book over a period of many years. I poured my life and soul into that book. I worked ridiculously hard, and that book is a 30-year vision come to life. That book started in 1985 with an article I wrote in a big fan magazine when I was with the new edition. It was called Zorro's Showbiz Tips. And the, the framework for what became the big gig over 30, 35 years later started off as an article. 
So I lived out the principles of the big gig uh, through blood, sweat, and tears, and I worked on writing that over a period of many, many years. So when I was finally done with that thing, I was confident that it was the best book of its subject that I've ever seen in print of its exact subject nature. I had never seen a book uh, like that. In fact, it was the very book that I wished that was out when was out when I was 18. I was looking for a book like that most of my career and never could find it. And then eventually I realized I have to be the one to write it. I have to share my life experiences and everything I learned to, to show people all the components of this journey and what it takes to succeed. So when people say, man, I love your book and it's great, I mean, I'm, I'm confident to know, yes, I feel that way because I put so much work into it that there's no way that it wasn't going to be excellent. And I left no stone unturned. I had many different people read it and many editors read it to where it came out to be the best possible book you can. But I don't say that in any sort of prideful way. I, I say that in a way that I'm proud of the work that I put in it, but I'm still humble about it. Mm-hmm. But I, I would be pretending to say, well, no, it's not that good. You know, it's okay. No, it's not okay. I put in a level of excellence that that, that book demanded to be that. And that's, that's what we should all do with, with everything we do. We should, we should put a level of excellence, you know, autograph your work with excellence. That's my motto. You know, everything I do, I, 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 take, I take a lot longer than other people because I want it to be the best thing it can be. When mm-hmm. I did my whole Commandments of R&B drumming series, I wanted it to be the best books that anybody's ever written about R&B because, you know, let's put it this way, Nicholas. Everything that I do... I do because I'm compelled to do. I don't do anything just to do it or like, oh, let's see, I want to, what book hasn't somebody written? Or let me fill a niche in the market. And no one's done a book on R&B, well, I'll try that. I, I only did what I had a passion for, what I was compelled to do. My new book, Soar, I would have written it if nobody published it. But fortunately, it's published. It's coming out September 1st, and it's right now on the Amazon list. of. Uh, it was top five the other day of hot new releases. You know, in its category, and I go, that that makes me feel awesome. But I would have written it if nobody bought it, right. because I had I had to write it. It had to come out of me. I had to share these things, and I had to play drums, whether nobody hired me or paid me or whether I ever made it or not. I had to do these things because I'm compelled to do it. So I don't do anything just for the sake of doing it. But when I do it, I commit to it to where it's going to be the most excellent thing that I'm capable of, whether it's my drumming speaking, my teaching, my writing, I'm going to do the best work I can do because I've got one life to live and I want to leave an impact on this world. And you know, too many people settle for mediocrity when they're capable of mastery. Mm-hmm. You know, we're capable mm-hmm. of it. the whole my whole book soar is about reaching your unlimited potential, your limitless potential and what it takes to do that because we all have limitless potential in the unique area of our gifting and talent. But most of us aren't even scratching the surface, and so uh, I, I'm just one of these things that I, I'd like to, I'd like to. In other words, if I looked at talent as like like a, a bank account, and and the day I was born, I was given a billion dollars worth of potential talent, then I want to, by the end of my life, have withdrawn every bit of those funds to where there's nothing left. I used everything that I was given, and I, and I and I and I soaked up all of that. Uh, potential. I withdrew all that was there. Instead of dying and going, gee, you had a billion dollars worth of potential and you spent five dollars worth. 
because of, of laziness or apathy or complacency or, or lack of vision or whatever. Uh, no, man, go out, go out of this place having, you know, exhausted, uh, the potential resources that you had. Mm -hmm. I, I agree. And while we're on the topic of, of leaving impact with people, I'd mentioned that I read the big gig and this is just, and I, I feel like I should tell you this now because we're, we're in the middle of talking about it, but I read the big gig, uh, at the time I was, I had opened a restaurant with my brother. My family's been in the restaurant business for years and I had been playing and coming home and working at the restaurant and going back and forth. But in 2011, we opened up a restaurant 2012. I went to Italy and I read the big gig. And after reading the big gig, I came home and I told my brother, I said, this isn't what I want to do with my life. I got to follow music. And in November of 2013, I started Drummer's Resource, and now you are on this podcast, and we've done 190 episodes, and this month we're going to reach wow. a, a half a million downloads. Wow, dude, that's incredible! Congratulations, man. So, and that's that awesome, is that was dude. not me. That was not me. Uh, you know, gloating or bragging about about the podcast and the things we've done with Drummer's Resource. I'm proud of them, but but sure. um, that was me speaking to the to the impact that this book has had on me so and I'm holding it in my hand as we're as we're talking about this which is this is sort of a coming full circle uh yeah and it's it's pretty amazing to be to be talking about it right now with you well that's uh that's full circle for me too man that's the reward and everything I do is knowing that people that somehow it blessed people and somehow it touched them whether it was my book or whether it was a groove I played or a, or an album I played on or or a speaking event that is that is the joy is knowing that it it somehow made a difference in people's life. And, well, I'm excited for you and all the people listening to get the new book because SOAR is like the culmination of everything I've learned and all the deeper life principles to really reach that potential and, and become everything you were meant to be. And uh, the big gig was sort of the precursor to what SOAR is all about. And, uh, and you know, like I said, that's coming out September 1st, and, you know, people will be able to get it on Amazon, uh, bn.com, bn which is Barnes & Noble, and then on my website, uh, uh, all that stuff. You know, but that's that's my joy is to to get a message out there that will touch the hearts of thousands of people. And, and being able to hear stories like you, people saying, hey, you know, your book caused a shift in my life or caused uh, me to think of something differently. It was a turning point. I mean, that's the thrill of living right there. It's not about the money. It's never been about the money for me. Uh, I could care less about all that. Um, but because I care about people, and this is kind of, you know, we're probably coming to the end of the interview, at least this first one. But uh, this is, if you really want to succeed in your life, try to find, try to do something that helps other people, whatever it is. I've approached my drumming that way, my writing that way, my speaking. I always think about what's in it for them. Most people think the other way. It's like, what's in it for me? Right. And that becomes very transparent, obvious. But when you make a product or you make a service and you go, how can I help people like you've done with your podcast? How can something I do help all the listeners out there? When you do that, it will grow and it will become bigger and bigger and bigger because you've made it about helping other people. And quite frankly, most people are self-centered. So they don't want to buy a book. They don't want to buy Zorro's sore book to help me get another dollar in my pocket. They don't they can care less. 
They want to buy it for what's in it for them. What can they get out of it? And you have to think that way with any product. If you go, you know, how can I help people with what I'm making? Whether it's a car, whether it's a, a spice rack, whatever you, whatever your deal is, if you think about the, the, the customer, the person, and what's in it for them, you'll succeed because most people don't. They're thinking about how can I sell more copies of my book? How can I do? How can I do that? And the big gig and all my commandments books have sold really well because there's quality in there and there's information in there that inspires people and makes them better. And because of that, they've told other people, just like when you and I go watch a movie that we like, we tell everybody that it was either awesome or it sucks. Don't waste your money. We tell them the same thing about food and restaurants. So word of mouth will travel. So my, you know, my ending note on this interview for this first one, because I've got a split here in a second, uh, but we'll do another one. We won't wait three years for it. Uh, I, I, would, I would love to but, do another one, definitely. Yeah, yeah, we'll do another one. You know, but but it is is to you know, word of mouth is everything. People, if you do something great, people will tell other people about you, and that's what happened in my drumming career. Is every gig I would do, I did my absolute best. I came prepared. I played my best, and then consequently, other people would spread my name around L.A. and around Hollywood. And that's how my whole career took off was the recommendations of other people. But I treated every single job, and I still do, uh, as if it were the most important thing in the world. I don't. I've, I've done television shows where I'm speaking before millions of people, and then I've done little cable access shows where you don't even know if three people are watching. Right. But I've treated them all with the same dignity, with the same respect, and with the same level of interest. And consequently, uh, my platform has magnified uh, because that's how I still walk. You do mm -hmm. your best wherever you go, and then things will have a way of taking care of themselves. I I agree. So one last question before you go. So sure. If if someone came up to you and said, "Hey, Zorro, uh, you know, I you you've been doing this for a long time. You've been in this industry for years, and and I'm just getting started. What advice do you have for me? What would you say?" Well. The, the, Talking to a guy like me who you've just listened to for the last hour, obviously I have a lot to say. <laughs> so the, per the first thing I would say, and not as a sales pitch in any way, or shape, or form, but the first thing I would tell somebody is buy a copy of my big gig book because in the one minute that I have with you, I will not be able to unload what's in the 440 pages of that book that will inspire you. Right. Buy my, buy my sore book. Because of the, the stuff that's in there, I will not be able to share with you in 30 seconds or one minute. And again, those are not sales pitches because what I have to say and what I have to share with that person is in those books. But aside from that, if I only had a few minutes, I would say the first thing is to define your vision, figure out what it is you want to do, what you want to achieve, develop a plan, develop a blueprint for it, write out some goals, get a strategy, and then be willing to do the work and remain humble and teachable because that's key. Because if you remain humble and pliable and malleable, then along the journey, as you're learning, people can speak into your life and tell you what you're doing wrong. But if you're prideful, people can't tell you and you never grow. So that's a huge one. And the other thing is be willing to make the most excellent product you can make, whatever that is. If it's a drum book, if it's your, if it's your podcast, if it's your drumming, don't settle for anything less than your personal best in terms of, of, of developing your product. If you're a drummer, your product is your ability, your drumming. Uh, but study. 
study your craft. Nobody gets to be a Leonardo uh, da Vinci and Michelangelo without studying. You must study, 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 and study with masters, and take lessons, and invest all of your money into the acquisition of knowledge, because that's what makes the difference. Many people have talent, but it's the knowledge that separates people and those that are willing to pay the price for the knowledge. Today, people want everything for free. They don't want to buy books. They want to just, they want everything, you know, on the internet without having to purchase anything. Well, the bottom line is you don't get something for nothing in life. Uh, yeah, yeah. Everything I, everything I do, I, I paid for and I worked and I earned. Um, and that's, that's my story, Nick, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> and there it is. So, Zora, I just I, I want to thank you not only for being a part of the podcast, but also for writing the big gig. And I want to acknowledge you for putting that out there into the universe because of that. Uh, like I said, Drummer's Resource has, has come to fruition. So I appreciate that. I appreciate what you do. I appreciate you being part of the podcast and uh, would love to have you back anytime you would like. You're always welcome. Well, first of all, it's an honor and a privilege to be on the podcast. I hope that we said some things that inspire people. I do look forward to doing it again, and we won't wait uh, so long for the next one. Thanks for being flexible with me. It certainly wasn't me trying to avoid doing it. I love doing it. It's just finding that, that spot, uh, and we found it. And we'll find it again very shortly here. And Like I said, you know, we'll, we'll touch on more stuff, more music things and, and everything. Uh, but it's been an honor and a privilege and a pleasure, and I wish you the best of luck in all the world and all the people out there. I hope we inspired you on some level, and I hope to see you guys out there when you soar. Well, thanks so much, Nick, and have a good one, and we'll talk, uh, we'll talk again. Zora, thank you again very much. Definitely. We will, uh, we'll keep in touch, and enjoy the rest of your night. Good luck, and God bless. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks, Zora. There you have it, the one and only Zorro, and I encourage you to pick up The Big Gig, also his new book that's coming out, Soar, and all the other books that Zorro's written, The Commandments of Army Drumming and all that stuff, I will put in the show notes at drummersresource.com forward slash session 192, so you can check those out and you can grab those if you'd like, and I'd love some feedback, a rating, review, if you could go to iTunes and leave a rating or review for the podcast, that helps the podcast show up higher in the search results and just lets more people know about the podcast and it'll take you about a minute or two just go to itunes click leave reading or review and until the next podcast keep drumming thank you so much for listening i really do appreciate it i hope you know that and i'll be talking to you soon peace